Hello there, and welcome to UCM Radio The Beat. You're listening to Chatting It Up, the only radio show where the host sits on the ceiling. I'm Greg Burns, and joining me today we have Sasha Fuller, a psychology major here at UCM. Uh, Greg, I broke a mirror today before on, before my way here, uh, so if anything goes horribly wrong, it's my fault and I deeply apologize. Uh, please leave the facility. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's been great speaking I'm to scared. you guys. <laughs> but anyway, today, me and Sasha are going to be talking about everyone's favorites. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't know if this is everyone's favorite. There are a lot of debates about it. Yeah, but anyway, uh, tabletop RPGs. Woo! Yeah! So, the fact that it's tabletop, the, the, the definition of tabletop RPG is that it's on a tabletop, but, you know, because we can't uh, be within six feet of e- six feet of our very best friends um, has made it really difficult to get everything going um, the way we want to. Uh, so during quarantine, my friends and I have been using um, Roll20. So, so pretty much Roll20 is a digital service you can use. It's completely free to use the free version. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't, you know, get all the perks like every everything that's free you know you don't get all the perks of it uh but anyway it's a thing it's a digital service where you can uh use the voice chat even though i use discord for we that we use discord <laughs> instead because you have more control over it than our channels uh you can also use it for uh the thing that me and my uh friends use it for mostly is just for like the maps the and battle maps characters. the battle maps are really uh, useful and also digital rolling because you can do some mm-hmm. pretty good algorithm not algorithm uh, what are they? Macros. That's the word. You can do. There's you can work with really good macros. What, what What I like to do is find out every single combination of dice I'm going to roll, and then type in a macro that's just like one plus two. Mm-hmm. And then what one plus two means is I'm rolling one d twelve plus two d twenty. See, I don't do that. I just, I just set my character sheet up. Because um, it, it, it's really good for setting up a character sheet, uh, even if you don't, um, because you have to buy the books separately like you would regularly, like you buy um, uh, your modules, like you would buy um, anything from Wizards of the Coast, the people who run D&D. Um, shout out to my boys over at the shout Wizards out of the to, Coast. Shout out to Wizards of the Coast. Y'all have literally made me so many more friends. I know somebody in Yorkshire. My one of my best friends, Callum. Shout out to Callum, lives in Yorkshire, who I literally would not have met if I was not playing on Roll Twenty and using Wizards of the Coast stuff. He's great, um, but it's it is really easy to set up a character sheet. Do we want? I do have my Discord open. Do we want to talk settings for campaigns? Ooh, yeah, campaign settings. Are campaign fun. settings. I've got. Um, my group mostly does homebrew worlds, which I find absolutely fascinating. So they've created these expansive worlds using um, tools like in and out of Roll20. I know my friend Emily was using a, um, a map maker a while ago that she spent upwards of six hours making a map for um, a city that we're going to be exploring next time. Um, and so she, uh, it, it took her four, four to six hours to set this city up and she has begged all of us individually, do not rush through this town. 
I have it color-coded by district. I have it color-coded by university. I made logos for all the separate universities. If you rush through Ascalon, I will have to break your kneecaps backwards. And it's just the, the time and effort that DMs put into settings and that and that use working player backgrounds into settings is something that um, my DMs especially look. I'm going to do that again. Working player backgrounds into the universe is something that my DMs especially have been fantastic at. Um, one of my characters in the, the same person who spent six hours on a map of Ascalon, um, my character for that uh, ties directly into the tail end of the last campaign um, perfectly. And she's like woven this whole just tapestry for us to play with and then we end up using heat metal on something stupid and blowing up a whole area that we weren't even supposed to be in in the first place we one of my friends cast animal friendship on a polar bear that was supposed to be attacking us and it cut our travel time in half in half yeah because we, we, we have were a carrying a polar crawler bear. in my group oh which, which is just a giant like centipede-esque a beast that devours any sort of flesh. Oh no! Uh, we have it. Uh, his name is Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he he has his own little saddle. Uh, oh no! And really, my mom is the only person who's allowed to ride it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad he plays in the group as well. He has made us lose two of our lizard mounts, which are just <laughs> giant lizards. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He has been the cause of two of their deaths. He is not allowed to touch Bob oh, absolutely for fear not. of losing Bob. And we have had Bob the entire campaign pretty much because <laughs> he was a random encounter that my uh-huh. DM rolled. And it just was him eating his previous master is what mm-hmm. we found. And so my mom, the druid, was like, oh, animal handling. Oh, you're not my friend. foreshadowing. Your name all. is Bob. Your name's Bob. <laughs> and, yeah, we've had him forever pretty much. I, I love my DMs. I also love screwing up their count their encounters to the nth degree. It's like I was just talking about how they create these fantastic immersive worlds and Jacob who you know and you were you were in scouts with has created this 1950s-esque noir fantasy deal which is absolutely fascinating and I'm having a fantastic time. My character's name is Lottie. She talks like this. She's a detective. She's not a cop. She's not a cop. She's cooler than a cop. And she has a little apartment and a cat that I named the Admiral. (laughs) And then the rest of the world is like demons and this drug that turns you into uh, that'll turn you into a tiefling and all these other things. And I picked a human detective who has guns. I love creating mundane characters in high fantasy settings and then completely screwing up every encounter the DM has set up for us. I believe it was the, the first session of one of, uh, the, camp, one of the previous campaigns that, that's ended now that I was in. Uh, they put a bone naga in front of us. I don't know if you know what a bone naga mm-hmm. is, but a naga is basically a snake. Per- it's a snake with a human face, but like massive snake with a human face but a bone naga is just bones and we had a cleric a first level cleric just one shot at it 
the Bonaga was supposed to be like the last encounter before we got out of the out of the um the catacombs underneath the city. Just and it was dead. Yeah, uh so for those of you who know, purple worms in D and D. Oh my god! Don't don't tell don't talk to me about purple yeah, worms, man. Giant worms that create tremors underground mm-hmm. and will devour you, and they're purple because you know that's cool. Uh, and so my party was hunting purple worms, oh god. and everyone kept telling us like, "Oh, what level are you?" And I'm like, "Oh, we're like level twelve or 13. They're like. Oh yeah, <laughs> have fun with that. And, you know, everyone's pretty much telling us that we're we're gonna die. You're gonna die. Uh, I got to message all of them shortly after we completed our hunt because not a single one of us took a point of damage. No. Yes. No. Yes. You escaped. How many worms were there? Was it just one worm you were all fighting? Uh, yes. And you how know what? How many of you were there? Uh, well, it's actually not too bad of a group. However. So what I did my turn was then I casted, it was some dance spell yeah. that is just a completely funny uh, six-level spell that I thought was just like a funny joke at first. And I was like, wait a second, this is actually useful. Funny joke spell. Because when you cast the irresistible dance spell, the creature, if it fails its save, which the save's like really high as well, mm-hmm. uh, and the worst part is, is the save, it's the one that the creature is the worst at. I think it's like a wisdom save. Oh, and purple no. worms suck at wisdom. And so, like, you know, uh, so the irresistible dance, it makes it to where the creature cannot move or attack. <gasps> and it spends its entire turn doing nothing except for doing dances. And at the very end of its turn, it can roll to negate the effects of the spell. Oh, no. And the worm could never get out of it. You what's even this worm What's so even hard. worse is the fact that the cleric cast a spell on top of it that makes it to where the creature has disadvantage on whatever You didn't have to do that worm so dirty. So, that poor worm. So the worm had disadvantage on wisdom saves, trying to complete a wisdom save to regain movement. Which it already had horrible <laughs> stats, and I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, no. So, so yeah, we pretty much train wrecked uh, the purple worm without taking a single point of damage. Oh, my lord. And then my DM was like, well, that's too easy. Here's a second worm. So we just did the same thing. <laughs> you tag teamed those worms. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, we'll be hearing more great stories from both Sasha and I. Woo. 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 We're just going to peek the mic as much as we can. Welcome back to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. Welcome back. Welcome back now, y'all. One hop this time. Right foot, left, left stop. stop. Left, left foot, okay. left. Okay. <laughs> we need to calm down. Okay. Uh, where were we? I remember we were um, in the desert for uh, my friend Callum's campaign. And this is the campaign where I play a literal... Glob of sentient fungus. It's a completely homebrewed race. 
which I love. I love just finding homebrewed stuff that's made to look like it's a page out of a book. Um, they're called Mycentium. I highly recommend it for a non-humanoid race. The race is Ooze. Uh, I love them very much. Um, this character's name was Blob. And a random encounter you that... You should name him Blob the Builder. <laughs> if it were not for the laws of this land, I would have slaughtered <laughs> you, Craig. <laughs> Blob the Builder. That's what I'll name them. Um, but there was a random encounter that the DM rolled... And so we woke up in the desert after a long rest, encased in, like, a sandstone cage. Um, And all of us had, uh, like, sandstone handcuffs on us. Keep in mind that Blob is an ooze type, uh, meaning that when they don't want to, they don't have limbs. So instead of trying to put the handcuffs—the handcuffs were just laid on top of Blob— um, and we we managed to, uh, well, Blob managed to um, g- squeeze through the bars because they have a feet that allows them to uh, pass through spaces that are one square one square inch or wider without taking any um, negative effects. So they just squeezed out of the bars, unlocked the cage, got everybody's handcuffs off, and as we're like walking away, we see a very peeved goblin <laughs> looking at us. And we were like, Callum, what was that? And he was like, well, I rolled on the table. I rolled on the random encounter table. And it was like a very not crafty goblin attempts to kidnap the party. And because Blob the news type, we managed to just completely get out of the encounter with no ill effects in like five in-game minutes. And so now when we wake up, we have a checklist um, because our DMs have done this to, done this to us so often. Is everyone, is every member of the party here? Are we restrained, uh, handcuffed, or tied against a tree? Are we all conscious? Are we, are we awake? Are we where we went to sleep? And are we suffering any ill effects? Are any of us missing limbs? Is there anybody around who we do not expect to be around? We have a checklist that we go through every time we wake up from a long rest because my DMs are evil. And they, at every turn, tried to do something horrible to us. Yeah. But I love them. I, I'm not allowed to make jokes anymore uh, within my games because I will make a sarcastic comment about the situation. And it turns out that that is exactly what's going the on. The monkey's paw. The and monkey's so, paw curls inwards. And, yeah, so, like, you know, one time, which is what rem- reminded me of that, was the fact that we had we were transporting an army through the Underdark. Oh, no. Because that's what you do on your free time is you transport an army. You just transport an army, an army through the Underdark. Yeah. Uh, we had an entire full-scale militia behind us in the Underdark. And remember, the Underdark are just a series of caverns and tunnels and caves. Not big enough for an army. Of course not big enough for an uh, army. So yeah, we had a giant back? train of people just following along kind of thing. And so, like... Uh, and so we were finding that every morning we, we'd wake up kind of thing, there'd be, an, like, someone's missing Yeah. from, from the, the army. Picked off. And there's, like, no, no evidence of them being, like, ever there kind of thing. The only thing that's left is, like, their gear, which is perfectly still there, as if they fell asleep and just disappeared in the night kind of thing. Uh, and so, and then every morning we'd go and we'd have breakfast with uh, our cook. And I just made the joke. You know, because I was like, oh, what, what are we eating? And my, my DM answered, and it was some sort of, you know, meat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
oh, does it taste like pork? Because in case you don't know, human tastes like pork. Human tastes like pork. You know, when asked cannibals, that's what they always say. The combination kind of thing. between pork and veal. Yeah. So you know, I was jokingly saying like, oh, I bet it tastes like pork, doesn't it? Ha ha. I bet we're eating our party. Yeah. No, it turned out we it, we were. Oh, it's not a question of what are we eating. It's who are we eating. <laughs> well, oh, we knew who no. it was. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, no. And then another time where I made a joke and it turned out to be true is we found this mysterious tower, just, like, super weird tower, middle of nowhere. And then, like, we were about to approach it. And then I just looked at everyone and was like, hey, guys, wouldn't it be so cool if this was an Insta Fortress? Like, I've always wanted an instant fortress, and it'd be so cool if this was just an instant fortress. Yeah. It uh, was an instant fortress. My dad found out it was an instant fortress. And didn't tell anyone and decided, hey, I'm going to speak the command word to make it into a tiny cube and take it. And even though me as a player hated that because I as the player wanted it, my character would have no need for it because Mm -hmm. he does have his Magnificent Mansion spell. His Magnificent Mansion spell. Which is arguably a lot better than... Than an Instant Fortress. Because the Instant Fortress can be destroyed with 100 hit points worth of damage. Mm -hmm. However, the uh, Magnificent Mansion cannot be destroyed unless it's, like, counterspelled. Dispelled, yeah. Or, yeah, dispelled, not counterspelled. Also, it provides warmth and food... And it can look like anything I want. You don't f- sound bitter about this at all, Greg. I don't. You're, he's not bitter about I'm this not. at all. I hate D&D. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk yeah, <laughs> about no. the games Greg me, hates. Me, me, me as a player really wanted it, but me as a character would not want it because oh Dilly just has no point in Well, it is a magical artifact. Dilly does like that because he's a traveling door-to-door salesman <gasps> for useless magical artifacts. He works for the Kajakrazed Corporation, which is a reference to a previous character I've had named Kaja the Craze, uh, who was an insane warlock who was a time-traveling interdimensional insane warlock who was able to travel around and sell magical uh, artifacts that were all useless. Uh, Some of the items in his catalog include, but are not limited to, a mute talking sword, (laughs) which is a talking sword that has been enchanted (laughs) with the mute ability, so it does not speak. Uh, He also has a pair of a single lucky sock. Just just the one sock. (laughs) Does he also have a barrel that makes a gallon of mayonnaise every dawn? No. He doesn't have that? He does have a bag of halting. Halting? Halting. A bag of holding. A bag of holding. It's based off the bag of holding, which, mm-hmm. you know, you can throw a bunch of stuff inside the bag. Basically and, a pocket dimension. Yep. Uh, however, the bag of holding will prevent you from putting anything inside of it. <laughs> he also has the useless tome, or I believe it's the tome of uselessness is what it's called. Tome of uselessness. Uh, anytime you open it up to any page, uh, the pages will magically become a hand and will grab the tome and close itself. <laughs> Based off everyone's internet, her favorite internet contraption, the useless box. The useless box, I just just the, a little. You flick the little lever, and then a hand <laughs> comes out of the box and flicks the lever back and goes back into the box. It just turns itself off and back yep, on. That that's what the tome does too. I love. And that. then oh, there's the belt of dried water breathing, allows you to breathe underwater as long as it's dry. That one. 
actually is really clever, and I want to give that to someone. You see, it's great because at first you're like, oh, it's so useful, but then you realize it's completely useless until you get a certain spell. However, when you get the spells that make it useful, those spells already allow you to breathe underwater. Also, <laughs> by the time you get those spells, you already have other spells that could let you breathe underwater. So the belt is just useless. It's just a belt. Because it keeps your pants the, the up and only, that's it. The only thing that I can think would make the belt useful is if you got the uh, the spell which allows you to uh, morph water around you to create an air pocket. Oh. So you can create an air pocket around the belt. However... Couldn't you just create an air pocket around your head? Exactly. <laughs> that is the main point of the spell, is creating an air pocket around your own head. So you can just choose to have it around your head or around the belt. It really doesn't matter. The belt is thus useless for that reason. I love it. Because there's only one way to make it useful, and by then, you can already You already have... Underwater. It negates the purpose of having the belt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because someone once argued with me, they're like, oh, no, you can totally make that useful. Like, what about plastic? You're like, you do, this is fantasy this world. Is, this there's is no plastic. Dungeons like, and Dragons. Oh, well, what about the spell that makes you create a water bottle? Like, you can do that around your own head. Why would you need the belt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... It's useless. It's, it's great. And then everyone's personal favorite, my personal favorite, is the stool stool. The stool? A stool stool. It is, it is a stool that has a hole in the middle so you can poop in it. The stool stool, everyone. <laughs> Literally just use an outhouse. The stool stool. That's so stupid. <laughs> I, I came with that idea on a Boy Scout summer camp. A boy. <laughs> because I was in the uh, the basketry merit badge, and in mm. the basketry merit badge, not only do you have to make two baskets, you also have to make a piece of furniture, mm-hmm. or a stool in this case. Uh, and so what we did was you had to make, like, a wooden frame, super easy, and then you had to take twine and wrap it around, the, like, the seat yeah. area kind of thing. And when I got halfway through, there was a there was a really cool, like, hole in the middle yeah. of the seat because you start from the outside and you work and your way inside. And you work inside. your way in, so there's, like, a cool pattern yeah. hole. And so there's a really cool pattern, and there's a hole in the center. And I was like, guys, you could, like, use this for pooping. It's like a stool stool. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Greg peaked. Okay, so I know you asked the questions here, Greg. I'm aware of that. What is your favorite thing about tabletop RPGs? Like, what do you, when you're playing, what makes you come back? So, one, thank you for asking me a question. How many people ask me questions? Absolutely. I love it when that happens. I, Two, I love hearing people answer questions. I have been breached with this question multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, it took me a while to figure out an answer. But mm-hmm. I have a pretty good answer for what my answer is to that mm-hmm. question now. And pretty much what gets me to come back is not only just, like, you know, the great sense of, like, you know, a great story and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but it's really just the people, you know? Absolutely. And not only just hanging out with the people, also being there when, like, you know, they really do get into character, you know, being with those characters. And also just, like, the jokes. Absolutely. There's some great jokes that could come from D&D. There's some jokes that we still laugh about to this day. Plenty of inside jokes. I mean... One of the best inside jokes in my group is talking about my dad's character not wearing pants. <laughs> That's like the best inside joke yeah. our group has. Sure, like other people are like, oh, great, an old guy with no pants. Yeah. But, but for us, it's like, oh, come you on. You had to be there. Where's your pants, old man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're all joking about it. And he's always like, we guys never offered it. No, Dilly offered multiple times <laughs> if he wanted pants. <laughs> 
and and with the characters thing and and especially getting into character there's never going to be I'm not saying that like if you choose to play a certain character you are a certain way there's never going to be a way to completely separate you from your character you made that character for especially even the jokey characters like there's a reason you made them but um I've found that even without without knowing which is why I'm in psychology um, I'm tagging my major into this. Are you proud? You see him? I pay you to do this. Um, that there are certain things that I manage to explore about like myself and with my character and with the characters that they interact with without knowing it. Like you can like delve really deep into characters without even like being aware of it. Like sure, you're aware of it on some level, but just being able to put characters with similarities to yourself uh like it or not like it into different situations and explore those situations it says a lot about you but it also says a lot about the people around you i think and the people around you shape how you play i couldn't imagine playing D with like just me and the dm one-on-one like sure we'd have fun but it's and like the npcs and whatever but the dm is just the dm and you are just you and bringing other people into it is always going to make it like, the characters may not always get along. We've had, like, some catastrophic things with player characters not getting along, just mor- morality-wise and personality-wise. But it's always going to add something to every character, no matter how much they butt heads, no matter how much combat there is or how much tragedy they go through. There's always going to be some weird bond between those characters, whether they like it or not. And that can... That can help you, this sounds sappy, but, like, explore who you are and, like, what your play style is. And you'd, like, I know I've said what, like, who you are, but it really does, it really does put into perspective a lot of things. Especially because there are no, no holds barred with D&D. Anything can happen, anything can go any way you want it to but you're still going to be you. You're still going to have influence over the characters you play, and it's still going to be a way to explore yourself and the people around you. Yeah, and going a little bit about what you said, uh, one of the reasons why I love playing is the fact that I can be a character that will make other people happy. Absolutely. So many people come in with like these edged lord kind oh, of characters yeah. like oh like, i'm gonna sit I, in I'm an corner. orphan my entire family was destroyed by an, a goblin army kind which of is thing. valid in and yeah. of itself edgelords are valid people who are people who go off and sit in a corner and brood are valid yeah but i prefer to play on the other spectrum trying to make everyone at the table like just happy to be there kind of yeah. thing and like one of the cool things is like you were saying like you know the whole psychology kind mm-hmm. of thing like even though my characters are always like goof characters that yeah. are based off some, like, Dilly Ways, traveling door-to-door salesman based off of Billy Mays. Yeah. Yeah. Even though all my characters have a very, like, the basic idea of them is based off of a, you know, person in real yeah, life kind of jokey, thing. Jokey, pop, characters. pop culture kind of things. They always just end up doing, like, what you do. They, they grow into you kind of they thing. Become they become genuine characters. Yeah. And they develop their own little personality quirks that are nothing like the actual people. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the weirdest things about Dilly Ways is he is the first character I've ever played that does not carry weapons on him. Really? The party constantly offers him, like, you know, like, oh, we're going through, you know, everyone, like, oh, we got a new magic weapon. Who wants it? Oh, Dilly, you're a bard. You can use a short sword or, like, you can use a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Do you want it? Every time he says no. And they're like, oh, wh- what weapon do you have? And he says, oh, I don't have a weapon. They're like, well, here's a w-. He's like, no, I, I don't want it. Because Dilly's just not a violent person. Yeah. 
and I don't want to give him something that will cause physical pain to anyone. He will do, you know, mental pain to people. Yeah. But physical pain, he does not do. And keeping the parameters of that, keeping that character honest while playing a game that's inherently about combat, about... Uh, like, there, there is a whole... I forget... I, there's a lot of time spent on combat in, in a lot of tabletop games. But creating a character like that where they're just vehemently like... Ah, I don't know. And keeping them honest, you as a player, even when you know this would be a good time to pick up a short sword, it wouldn't be honest to the character. And yeah. keeping honest to the character is is important. It's important as much as managing your stat block or whatever, but it's about the characters. And it's yeah. about the world that the characters are in. Oh, yeah. And, like, like, for me, like, it was really, you know, at first it was, like, a kind of weird concept. Then, like, I was getting into it, and, you know, after hearing you talk about, you know, psychology and whatnot, mm-hmm. I understand that the reason why I did that is because I myself try to be a very nonviolent you're, individual. You're, you're fairly pacifistic. Yeah, I, I try to use my words rather than my, you know, my blades. Yeah. Like, you know, I I know martial arts. Yeah, like I, Greg I, will lay me out on the ground if possible. I, I, I could. I, I did that kind of stuff. I know how to, uh, I knew some basics of wrestling. I, I know, like, a bunch of different kinds of, you know, fighting and self-defense styles and I, I know how to use uh, like you know actual physical weapons such mm-hmm. as firearms and swords and a bunch of different stuff thanks to Boy Scouts and thanks stuff like that. Thanks to Boy Scouts. But like I will probably never use any of this on a person because... You're not a violent person. I'm just not a violent person and so Dilly Ways has been the probably the closest thing I could get to you know playing myself kind of yeah. thing. And, and yeah. see like you you realizing that you didn't you didn't think it was intentional. And exploring uh, characters that I had, um, uh, specifically Prav and my warlock, uh, who I love very much and who um, I'm, I'm still playing and I can't wait to see where she goes. There are things in there that I didn't realize that I put in there, you know, and um, the DM bringing things out at times was like almost painful for me because I was like, I didn't realize that that's something that I was still working on, that I, that I was still having problems with until I put Prava in that situation or until something horrific happens to her. And I'm like, oh, I, that, that's rough. <laughs> and being able to explore that in that capacity, D&D is not therapy. Please, please go to therapy. <laughs> but stuff like that, being able to explore it in a capacity where your friends are there and your friends are there to help you with it. Um, and your friends are absolutely completely in support of you in whatever you're doing with your character. It's and watching them do it themselves is fascinating. Watching them come into care into into themselves as players and as characters, and especially one of my favorite things is bringing new players in that I'm already friends with. My dearest friend Abby, um, who I'm going to be moving in with, um, I brought her into a couple campaigns, and the way new players think is fascinating because you do kind of get into I don't want to say a rut but you get into a cycle playing D&D you're like you know what's going on you know the best solution to the problem and then you bring a new player in who thinks different and suddenly just a whole new perspective and different solutions different problems and just bringing different minds into everything it just completely changes the way you solve problems and the way you play there's definitely something I want to add but absolutely I think we should cut it there okay (laughs) Uh, sadly, that's all the time we're going to have for today. I would just like to take a moment and thank you, Sasha. Thank you so much for for having me, Greg. Of course, for coming on to the show. 
uh, listen to our next episode and hear from yet another great person here at UCM. I'm Greg Burns. Haven't changed my name yet, so it's still Greg Burns. And I'm Sasha Fuller. And you've been listening to Chatting It Up on UCM Radio, The Beat. Hello? <laughs> Hello? Eh, hung up. <laughs> yeah, Please keep that in. Please keep that in. Somebody just called phone. Greg on his phone. <laughs> During the outro. During the outro, something called Craig. Uh,